<laughs> later on, uh, by the my my fourth year of teaching, uh, it had started kind of catching on a little bit, or I would I would see kids sneaking into some of the shows, some of the seniors. Be <laughs> like, you did not see me here, and I did not see you here. <laughs> What is up, humans? On today's episode of Windy City Joe's, we had a one-of-a-kind, very special guest. His name is Corey Smith. You may know him from his absolute banger, If I Could Do It Again, his, oh, I don't know, eight-hour road trip um, that he had with his boys that like that song is pretty much based on. Um, he'll be at Joe's on Weed Street on June 17th and Tailgate and Tallboys on June 18th or no, 16th. Wait, is it July 17th he's at? Oh, no, it's June 16th, Tailgate and Tallboys, Thursday. And then Joe's is the 17th of June. I swear. I thought it was July. We can do this. I'm clicking on tour right now. Corey Smith. Great beard, by the way. Oh, it is June June 17th. June 17th, 17th, Joe's on Weed Street. June 16th, Tailgate and Tallboys. By the time this comes out, this will probably all be irrelevant. Um, <laughs> uh, shout out to Corey for his time. He's awesome. Um, yeah. and we hope y'all enjoy the episode. And you can find him on Instagram at Corey Smith Music, and uh, anywhere else on social at uh, Corey Smith, as well as his website, uh, CoreySmith.com. Yep. Um, and then his tour goes all the way until September second. Um, Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, South Carolina, South Carolina, and all that good jazz. You can check out his link tree in the description of his Instagram with all of his tour dates there and get tickets so you can see him live. And you can check out his MySpace at... MySpace.com. If it's still live. Yeah, we don't know. Enjoy the episode. This has actually been a pretty exciting year for you as a sports fan perspective. I know you are a diehard Georgia Bulldogs fan. Go dogs. And a Braves fan, um, which which team winning was more, I guess, like uh, impactful in your life? Well, no, and this is no slight against the Braves, but Georgia okay. uh, was definitely much uh, much bigger. I feel much much more vested in that. So, as like a college football fan, do you do you hate Alabama, or do you like respect who they are? Or as a Georgia Bulldog fan, I guess like who. Who are you not really a fan of in the college football world? Well, hate's a strong word, right? right. I, for most of my adult life, uh, Florida has had this the, the the highest level of animosity, but recently Alabama surpassed them uh, after so many heartbreaking losses uh, to them. Like, with, so I would say I don't hate Alabama; I have respect for them, uh, but it's. Uh, you know, it's a respect. What what peppered with hate? I think that's from uh, Get Him to the Greek. Remember that movie? It's a respect, but a, it's peppered with hate. <laughs> um, how do you think you guys are going to be this year? Because like your entire defense went to the NFL. You know, it's funny. I was talking to my son about it last night, and I I, I feel like there shouldn't be a whole lot of pressure this year. I, I think the Georgia fan base is so is so fired up uh, that that we finally won. I I'm not. I think we're going to be great. Um, I think we're going to be great. And if you think of all that, all that has to happen to be able to run the gauntlet in the SEC and make it all the way, even into the playoffs, you know, that's a hell of an accomplishment, a hell of a feat. Uh, 
And I, I don't know how realistic it, it is to expect that every every season, you know. I think we're going to go out there and we're going to be competitive. We're going to be competitive in every game. And at the end of the day, it's it's college football. You never know what's going to happen. Um, so I, I'm excited about it. I'm glad Stetson's back. Um, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Do you think the college football playoff should be expanded from four teams to eight? I do. I do. I think it would – I just think there's so many of these bowl games that – they're just not fun to watch. They don't really mean anything. Why not, you know, why not expand it? And, uh, you know, I, I think it would be better for college football. Well, I think like giving those underdogs, like the NCAA March Madness tournament, like giving those underdogs a shot is absolutely worth it. Because if we're, if there was an eight seed to pull off like a, an upset against like a Bama or, you know, that would just be insane, especially in the college football world. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's you're not having to reinvent the wheel. Those there's games already being played uh, that are that are bowl games. Just make them make them mean a l- little bit more. Make make it where there's a, a chance to move on. I think it's it, it would only make the the postseason that that much more fun to watch. Um, so as a Braves fan, how upset were you with them not bringing back Freddie Freeman? I, you know, I, I wasn't completely shocked. Um, okay. You know, obviously he 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 was the face of the franchise for so long. Um, you know, you get it. At, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's also a business. I don't think any. I don't think uh, Freddie Freeman lost any love uh, around these parts in the Braves Braves Nation. I mean, everybody gets it. Uh, you know, would have loved to have have him stay, but you know, it's part of the game. I'm um I'm a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. So when Pujols left years ago, thank God he's back this year. Um, but when he left years ago, I was just like completely devastated. But yeah, at the end of the day, it is a business. And then being in Chicago, I mean, the Cubs gave away Anthony Rizzo for like a dishwashing machine, which was just insane. Yeah, and I'm a diehard Cubs fan, <laughs> so I'm just always devastated and disappointed. So <laughs> yeah, I, I will say this: this season uh, was great. I, I I enjoyed watching the games uh, with my kids. And I, I'll I'll confess, like I I don't follow very closely throughout the whole season. I, I my interest uh, I, I pick up interest the later in the season. Uh, my uh, my buddy Blake that works with my management, he always gives me hell about that because <laughs> he every game the whole season, and then I jump in at the end and get interested. But uh, I enjoyed watching the postseason with my kids, and it brought back so many memories of, of when I was their age. Uh, watching you know back in the uh back in the 90s um with my grandfather and with my dad it's just uh it was great well and i mean baseball's there i mean there's 162 goddamn games like <laughs> it is it is so hard to keep up with it every single time so whenever there is that fan where it's like oh i watch every single game i'm like oh okay you're crazy but then there's the people that play fantasy baseball and they're on another level of crazy <laughs> yeah i just I, I've always told people that in in the fall when when college football's on on I'm all in. Uh, I'm, my my Saturdays are, are spoken for, um, and I, I don't I don't know if I have enough passion to to share that throughout the whole summer as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I really love the fall. The the fall is a wonderful time to be a sports fan. It is it is a great time of the year. So speaking of summer, I got um. We were talking to um, a tour manager the other day, and I, I was interested of his perspective on does he prefer like 
the winter season of music so like hitting different venues or does he prefer the summertime and hitting different festivals which one do you prefer Ooh, i i prefer the wintertime i think i i like playing clubs um i've you know i've spent most of my career playing in clubs i like the intimacy of that uh i like how uh, it comes with certain challenges that are that are kind of fun i don't know they keep every night interesting uh i love doing the festivals but boy it's it's so stressful looking at a weather map you know watching the radar um you know a good a good thunderstorm will will, uh put a damper on things real quick that's yeah i didn't even think about that that's a good point well we're um we know you're going to be at tailgate and tall boys um this weekend we are too we're actually hitting the road for like an on the podcast or on the oh on the road podcast (laughs) yeah sorry i can't talk on the podcast road yeah on the podcast road um, so that'll be great. Uh, hopefully, weather permitting, it is fantastic. Have you have you performed at Tailgate and Cowboys previously? I, I, I have not. I, honestly, I haven't done a ton of festivals uh, over the course of my career. Uh, it's um, so I, I'm really excited about the ones that I've gotten on this year, uh, and in, in particular that one. It's like it's like uh, pretty big deal, huh? I've, I yeah. So I'm from Central Illinois, um, and it used to be like stage in my hometown and it was just like trucks are mudding people are going nuts there's just beer being flown like it's it's crazy so it should be an absolutely like awesome environment and just yeah the people are going to be nuts yeah i can't wait i i didn't you know i'll see stuff pop up on the calendar don't really know what it is um and then this one for a few weeks i've had people texting me uh and and i I looked at the lineup and i was like oh okay this is I, yeah, it's, it's it, like a festival like that. You know, most of the acts are, uh, especially the headline acts, you know, they've got background on country radio. They're sort of household names among country fans. So I'm uh, it's always really cool when I can get on those uh, stages. I'm, I'm a bit of the oddball because I don't have uh, I don't have, you know, like number one hits or anything. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I fit in with everybody. Uh, backstage like i know a lot of people it's it's fun hanging out but i always feel like oh, there's a lot of fans that are like who the hell is this guy <laughs> well i mean you i mean you definitely have bangers out there don't get me wrong but one awesome thing i found um while researching you is uh you were the number one unsigned artist on myspace for two years which is crazy because myspace r.i.p kind of Maybe uh, I, I think it's still out there. <laughs> I just don't think anyone uses it. Yeah. When was the last time you checked your MySpace profile? <laughs> I don't even know if I, I don't think I have, one. they had, they have to like deactivate it over time. I, I had one for maybe a couple months and I got bored cause it was like kind of on the decline by the time I got on the bad bandwagon. Uh, and then that was when Facebook was big and now I don't even check Facebook. So, <laughs> People don't really appreciate uh, how cool MySpace was in terms of finding new music. Uh, I, I think MySpace probably made my career um, when it, and I'm, you know, obviously dating myself big time here, but um, w- when I was just starting out and put out a couple of records, MySpace was starting to take off. And I got a, a, most of my communication with fans came through my email through the website. And I had a fan text me and he uh, had, he was like, Hey, you know, there's this platform called MySpace and I'm I'm a big fan and I created a a page for you. I hope you don't mind, but 
all these people are coming to it. And I figured maybe I ought to, you know, let you run it since it's <laughs> okay. Well, let me check this out. And, you know, he gave me the, the login info and I was like, well, this is cool. Um, and I don't, I, I think at the time there were like maybe four or 500 people that were liking the page or following the page or whatever. And then I started putting my music on there. And so back then, if you were, if you got on MySpace and you were like, wanting to find music you know if you're a country fan like okay country music uh myspace would pull up three categories and you would have people you know people love to see things rank you know like one to ten or you know one right. to 20. so they had three distinct categories so if you search country music you would have your you know major label artist you know and back then it's like kenny chesney's number one and then you go down the list of all the big country stars and right next to it you had your independent uh artist uh, and at the time, technically, Garth Brooks was independent because he had his own own label thing going on. So he was like the number one independent artist. And after I had been doing that for like a year, my name was right next to Garth Brooks and Kenny Chesney in the unsigned category. So you think most fans don't really give a shit about <laughs> an artist label alignment, you know, they, no. they don't. So for me, it was like people would see my name and go, what's this unsigned stuff? And they would click on it. And a lot of people would be like, well, that's cool. That's raw, you know? And it, yeah, and it stayed that way for you know, over two years. So it, uh, it explains why I was able to go to places like Jackson, Mississippi for the first time and have 500 people come out to the show. It blew my mind. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And it is, it is cool. Cause I mean, MySpace, I did, I did like, and appreciate MySpace because not only could you rearrange your friends, like if one of them pissed you off, you're like, all right, you're dropping down to number six out of eight instead of number two. You know what I mean? But then yeah. you also have that song where it's like people can go to your page and you have that one song to describe your your page or portfolio, I guess, um, which I, I loved. But it's super cool to also to hear how impactful it was for you on your journey, which I mean, and you know, that's great. It was completely organic. I, I had nothing to do with it. Um, <laughs> I had I was already at that level before I even had a manager or anything it was you know it was not manipulated it wasn't marketing schemes or anything it was 100% organic like I felt like man is there somebody at my space that just likes me and has just flipped the switch or something because it came out of nowhere you know I went from teaching high school to all of a sudden you know going out to shows and having all these people show up is nuts I was gonna say that like that plays into your career because it because um I, yeah, I came to learn that like your accident almost did happen or your career did happen by accident. You were you were Absolutely. teaching high school. You won a contest and you won a free 10. Is it 10 songs like in the studio? Yeah, that's how I made my first album is I, I won an open mic contest at this little coffee house. And the prize was 10 out or 10 or 12 hours of studio time. And I put a little bit with it. Um, so I had basically uh, two days in the studio. Um, it was my first time and I had by that point, I probably had 25, 30 songs that I thought were pretty good. I was able to narrow that down to 10 or 11 songs and uh, went in and just played them on the guitar. So when did you actually start writing music? Um, you know, I, I wrote when I was a teenager, uh, you know, just out of high school um, and then got more and more serious about it as I got through college. Um, you know, when I, when I got out of high school, I was like, uh, you know, I had hair then. So I was, had my, you know, growing my hair out and I was thought I'd be a, you know, could be a 
rock star or something. I had a little, I had a band with my buddies and uh, we partied more than we played music, but it, it was fun. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I started uh, going out doing like little bar gigs where I would set up in the corner and play, play cover songs, you know, play Skinner and Garth Brooks and David Allen Coe and Matchbox 20 and Dave Matthews and all, all kind of shit. And um, that was pretty fun. Uh, but then that got, that got kind of old too. I felt like a, like people were plunking quarters in me. Uh, like I was a human jukebox or something. Mm. And then I, I decided I didn't really want to do that. I met my wife, uh, decided to be a teacher, uh, and got my priorities in order. And at that point is when I really started learning how to write because I, I, I wasn't doing it as a means to an end. I was doing it because it, it fascinated me. Uh, it made me happy. It was a way of me. Like it was like therapy. Um, and, yeah, the, the, I, I've always con- tried to continue approaching writing that way the whole time. Uh, but it's, it's been more difficult over the years uh, because there's so much more pressure. Uh, but that was really once I once I accepted that I loved writing and I was going to write whether people were going to hear it or not. That's when I really started writing. <laughs> how uh, How big was this high school that you were teaching at? Like, how many students were in a grade roughly? Uh, we were, uh, goodness, uh, we were at the time five A, so there were probably twenty five hundred students there. Maybe it was a big school compared to that where is I, a big school. Yeah, um, I graduated with like forty eight people. So okay, yeah, that was a much bigger was Metro Atlanta. It's only it's like forty five minutes from here. How many? Uh, how many of them found you on Facebook or not Facebook? MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, uh, by the my my fourth year of teaching, uh, it had started kind of catching on a little bit. Or I would I would see kids sneaking into some of the shows, some of the seniors. <laughs> be like, you did not see me here, and I did not see you here. <laughs> I'll see you one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. As a, as a kid, what was your like? What was your worst class? Oh, I always, I always hated math, uh, yes. I, math and English. <laughs> I did. I hated school most, most yep. of it. Um, but I, I think geometry, no algebra two was in failed in high school. Um, I had to take that. So I, I really hated, hated math. Math is the worst. And, uh, in high school, um, my dad would give me shit cause I'd have Spanish and I'd have like a 98 i'd almost have an a plus in the class and then my english class i'm like c minus struggling like i'm between the borderline of a d and he's like what the hell is wrong with you you're doing better in spanish than you are in english like i don't get it i'm, just, I'm sorry dad I'm, i'll do what it, i can <laughs> it's bizarre um because i i was i wasn't a great student i kind of coasted through i took college prep prep courses and stuff and you know made made c's and d's and b's um but it's, it's weird the things that would make their way through that I would remember and not realize like it surprised me. Like, why the hell do I remember that? Uh, and I was talking to my, my son, uh, my youngest son who's uh, 15. I was talking to him about it last night. And it, I think I, I soaked up just enough so that when I got to be 19 or 20 and started kind of, I don't know, some, some switches started to flip and I was able to start making a, some connections that kind of woke, I don't I hate to use the term woke me up, but kind of 
like, oh, okay. I kind of started figuring some shit out and decided at that point to take my college education more seriously and that I was going to go into that environment. And from that point on, I, I loved academics and I loved all, all subject areas. Um, I was a, I was a pretty good college student. I was a six time presidential scholar and uh, I was gung ho on, on academics. I thought I was going to retire as a teacher. I even, I was even going to grad school uh, as my music was taken off and I had to make a choice like, okay, I'm going to give up on grad school and do this uh, music thing and see where it takes me. Yeah. So can you, can you take us back to that day or was it over a span of like two weeks? Like I need to, it, it was a, it was a span of months really. Uh, okay. Once, once I t- kind of took over the MySpace thing and start, I started tracking the website and the traffic we were getting. Uh, and at that point I was mostly just playing within, you know, a few hours of the house, mostly in Metro Atlanta playing at little bars. And uh, by this point, I could go set up in the corner of a bar though, and I could play mostly my music and then pepper in some covers. Um, but the, I started seeing the numbers grow like exponentially. It was goodness gracious, you know? Um, and that was about the time where I was, I was teaching during the day, uh, three days a week, I would leave school and go to back to Athens and take a grad school classes. And then some nights I would go play in like Buckhead. Uh, I'd go play in Buckhead on a Thursday night and get back home at four in the morning and jump in the shower and then drive to school and then teach on Friday. I'd usually show a movie. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, God, you know, this is this is intense. Uh, so I decided, all right, I'm done with grad school and I'm just going to do teaching and music. And then I did that for a whole fall. And um, I had a, a, my first show at the Georgia Theater in Athens. Um, I, I, I expected, you know, maybe to get four or five hundred people there, uh, but it sold out in advance. And I made more that night than I made in like two or three months of teaching. And at that point, I was just like, ah, man. It, it was it was really hard to get up and go to go to work on Monday morning after I played that show. Uh, so I went in uh, that next week and sat down with the principal and my department head and explained to him what was going on. And uh, they got it. So I, I left teaching that that was in that was in December. So I didn't come back after the holiday. They found somebody to replace me and were gracious enough to let me out of my contract. And the rest is history. So did they like, did they have any idea that this was going on while you were doing it? Or was it like, kind of like, a, Oh, we didn't even know that you were they, making music. They knew that I played music. They knew I played in bars and stuff and they were, they were cool with that. But uh, I actually showed them the metrics. I was like, look at this y'all. I was like, this is <laughs> growing exponentially. And, you know, and they, they understood. I think, I don't think they imagined, I think they probably thought I was making a huge mistake. <laughs> Make sure to keep your teaching license in case this doesn't work out. Oh, yeah. um, but they, they were very cool about it. Have you uh, have you substituted at all since that time? Oh, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> no plans? No no plans on it. I think I've been away from it for, for so long now. I, I mean, 15, 20 years. I don't know. I, I'm not good with math again. <laughs> I love right, keeping right. the end of 2005. So I would I would be a bumbling idiot in the, at the head of a classroom not now, right now, probably. And I would I would probably get fired for dropping the F bomb accidentally. 
Nothing wrong with that. I was going to say, your classroom etiquette kind of has to go a little bit down when you're on the, you know, on the road, on the road, recording music, you know, you're dealing with a whole different lifestyle and you go in the classroom, like, what the fuck is this? Well, you've got a song (laughs) called Fuck the Popo, you know, yeah, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my favorite thing about it was not having to get up so damn early in the morning. I, I saw it like that, that next semester, that, that following year after I left teaching, when I realized like, shit. I don't have to set my alarm clock for five. You know, that was nice. I would sleep until like nine thirty, stay up late. I thought that was that was the end all be all. <laughs> that, that, this is the life right here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't even have to worry about the snooze button. Um I hey, you nine thirty PM. <laughs> <laughs> um another thing I uh love and appreciate you as an artist is you don't only have one live recorded album, you have two. Um, I'm a huge fan of just live recorded music and I wish there was more of it out there. Why as an artist, did you decide to do that? And like, was it your call or was it like a team's call with management or yeah? No, those were all mine. You know, it's much harder to make a studio record than it is to make a live record. Um, Let me rephrase that. The goal with a studio record is you want it to sound like I do live. You want it to capture that thing, right? And that's, you know, my bread and butter has always been playing live. Uh, Where time and time again, I'd go in the studio and it just didn't sound like I do on stage. So there was always a little bit of a disconnect. Uh, So the most natural thing was like, we need to try to get some good live recordings to demonstrate to people what's going on at these shows. Cause that was the thing that was hard to convey to people. Like this is nuts hearing, hearing people sing along and hearing the energy in the room. Um, you know, being able to even record the mistakes, you know, even the, to me, there's just something that's in like endearing about that. You know, it's not, this isn't contrived. It's not fake. This is microphones <laughs> up in the room capturing what we're doing. Uh, and I was always a big fan of live recordings as well. And like like you said, the the mistakes are like a part of it. Like we we try and keep that too. Like if we fuck up during an inter- interview, which happens, you know, every fifteen minutes. Yeah, we just times. <laughs> yeah. so many times you can't. Like, yeah, we just try and keep it going because it shows like authenticity and that you know we're we're nowhere near perfect and we're not trying to be. But like here's what we got. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I I'm not a big fan of like the like the American Idol or the voice or those kind of shows, because it, it, everything is so perfect and polished and well choreographed. And, you know, people get come out there and they have this one song they get this one performance that's going to make or break their, their careers. And in my, in my line of work, that hasn't been the case, right? There, it's like there to me, I've never had like a big break. Uh, I like just going out every night and doing the best I can and being relaxed and have fun. And odds are, if you play for an hour and 45 minutes, you are going to fuck up at some point. <laughs> fine. Right. <laughs> it's fine. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, your incredible song, if I could do it again, why do you think that connects so well with an audience, especially like a live audience? Cause I have heard the live playings of it and it's awesome. I, I think it's uh, a story that, you know, people relate to. They've had similar experiences. And I, I, 
I think it's, uh, you know, it illustrates the way that I've tried to approach the writing from, from the beginning. And, and that is, uh, you know, find things that I want to sing about that I've, that are based on my experience and, and capture, capture something, uh, and hope that if I'm honest about my experiences and my feelings, uh, at a certain time, then there'll be other people that are in a similar place and it'll resonate with them. Uh, and I think if I could do it again is, you know, it's an example of that. And oddly enough, you know, that's how I felt about that. Uh, at 26 or 27 when, uh, I think I might've had one kid at that point. Uh, I think my oldest was, might've been an infant. Uh, but I wouldn't write that song today probably because I have a different perspective, uh, but it, it documented my thinking at the time. So where did you uh, hide the booze that the Alabama state patrol did not find? <laughs> uh, if I'm being perfectly honest, that is a bit of a blemish or not uh, embellishment, uh, an embellishment. Uh, I think we hit it in the, tr in the cab of the truck. Um, okay. And yeah, the memory is kind of fuzzy, but I do think it was in a, it was in a suitcase and the, I did literally me and my buddy, you know, you remember those Mazda pickup trucks, those, yes, saw, yeah. these were tiny pickup trucks, right? Two seats in the front, no cab in the back, like no, no, like second row seating, you know, two seats in the front and then a tiny bed. And me and my buddy rode in the back from Jefferson to Panama city. It was an eight hour solid eight hours. They are in back in the back of a pickup truck. How stupid were we? <laughs> <laughs> like, did you have like a blanket or, you know, like we, what was, what? <laughs> we had a tarp and we would hide <laughs> under the tarp. We were, it was like we were being smuggled across the border or something. Uh, Cause we couldn't go down the interstate just sitting in the back of the truck. We'd probably get pulled over. So we, we laid down under a tarp. <laughs> the entire way down there um <laughs> for eight hours for eight hours that was how'd you like how did you let the know how'd you let the driver know that you had to pee or something you just we'd, bang on the had a little we'd create a little gap and we'd just reach up and bang on the on the window um yeah it was fun we didn't realize how stupid it was at the time and then on the way back we uh we had we took out, we, we got bold when we, and before we weren't on the interstate at the time. So we were on two lane road and we took the tarp and we were sitting in the back and it was pretty outside and uh, got the guitar out and we we're just like, Oh, this is great. And then we hit a, like a squall line, this horrible thunderstorm. And then it rained on us the rest of the way back for like the next five hours. We had to, you know, hunker under the tarp. It was miserable. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Road trips with the boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I could do it again, I'd do it the same. I don't know. There you go. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> hey, amen to that. What was uh what was your uh drink of choice back then and what are what is it today? Oh man, back then I didn't care. Whatever it was <laughs> I wasn't twenty one, so beggars can't be choosers. Uh I do remember that that golden grain line in that song, that was true. We had a bottle of golden grain. Um that was that did the trick. Uh, we used to make that hunch punch, you know, pour the golden grain into some Kool-Aid or some shit. Uh, that was always fun. Now I'm just a straight, uh, vodka club soda, you know, just low, lower calories does the trick. I'm a big fan of nothing uh, wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, so I have here, uh, you'll be at Joe's on Weed here in Chicago on June 17th. Um, what do you know about Joe's? Oh, man, I've been there a bunch of times. Um, it's okay. Um, I, I, when I started playing in Chicago, I, was, I played at the House of Blues. Uh, and that, that place was great, too, um, but a very different vibe than Joe's. And the first time I played at Joe's, it was just packed. Just, the vibe in there was great. Uh, the staff there was uh, super friendly. Um, yeah, just a ton of great memories. I can't even count how many times I played there over the years. So I've missed that one a lot. I hadn't been there since 2019, so I'm looking forward to it. So you've you've been in Chicago multiple times, and I'm assuming have you had deep dish pizza? Yes, um, and I'm the older I get, but the like Lou Lou Malnati's. Yeah. Yes, and then the, there's another one uh, that uh, Gior Giordano's. Giordano's. Giordano. Yeah, Giordano's. Yeah, I think I liked Giordano's a little better, but they were both awesome. Uh, it's it's just so different than anything you can get. Uh, down here if it makes you feel any better you're the only artist that has remembered the names not only them, one of them but both but, of them yeah but both because they're always like i don't know man it started with they're like, like yeah. a something and they like can't some of them don't even yeah. remember they're like i don't know i tried one of them man. yeah but it, honestly it's it's hard to find bad pizza in chicago that's true like you really it's got bad pizza it. right pizza's like yeah. like even when it's bad it's still pretty good <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah if you've been out drinking it's like it's really hard to find bad pizza anywhere <laughs> but <laughs> yeah but yeah no. exactly no, I've, always, I've always tried to taste the the local flavors whenever i've been out traveling around probably too much uh probably too much but it's hard to stay stay lean while you're traveling and you're around so much good food i couldn't imagine and i'm I'm not a little worried. I'm a lot of worried about our weekend and how it's going to go because who knows how Thursday night's going to go and our heads will probably be hurting Friday morning. But, you know, we'll be we'll be fine. My head's usually hurting Friday morning, though. <laughs> Remember, it's a it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Right. That's right. That's right. Stay high. So, <laughs> the, the wise words of the great Corey Smith. Corey, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, man. Uh, we, pre we appreciate your time. We can't wait to see you at Tailgate and Tallboys and we cannot uh, wait for you to be in, back in the city at Joe's on Weed on the 17th. So, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, my pleasure. I can't wait. It's been too long. So I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been great talking to you. We'll see you all. Absolutely. Bloomington, right? Yes, yep. sir. Yeah, we'll see you there. Take care. We'll see you all later. All right, you too. Have a good one.